Welcome back to the Damn Your Tall Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Felicia, aka VVJ of Business, along with Graham. You leave it the squad. Okay, so read the light in this bit. <laughs> it's probably super loud. I just saw the spikes up on my thing. Yes, yes, they were extremely loud. Welcome back to the Damn Your Tall Podcast. We are back with another weekly episode. We are trying to be consistent here, people. We are busy people, but we are back. And we went to Bozeman today. But before that, I just want to talk about one thing that in this town, we moved to Montana and weed is legal here which okay whatever fine don't don't really carry either way but um there are three dispensaries right next to each other like literally literally you could throw you could just walk two feet in either direction and there are a dispensary well either way in this town there are so many dispensaries everywhere and those they share a parking lot and you could throw a rock not only from one to the other, from the outer edge of the farthest one all the way to the outer edge of the other one. And not you. I should say you because you're a thrower. Me, who is not a thrower. Yes, he got very weak arms. So, I thought you were going to be like, hey! I mean, to an extent, I'm not completely... Sh- I'm, I am surprised about the three right next to each other. Because when you think about the number of packaged liquors, the fact you can buy beer at gas stations... And the number of places you can get alcohol, it's perhaps not as surprising. But the three that are practically on top of each other is a little much. Yeah, there's a lot here. And there's like a whole bunch of downtown. Like basically, this town has a lot of bars, bars and casinos, and dispensaries. <laughs> like there are so many dispensaries, bars, and casinos. Like there's, this been when we lived in Effingham, they used to have like the, was it, they said games or something. I was like video games. And oh. I was like, oh, they have like, uh, whatchamacallit in this gas station. I didn't think it was casino. And I walked in, I was like, oh, it's video gambling, but they call it video games. They call it video gaming because they know the quite understandable negative connotation gambling has. But yes, there is a crap ton of just casinos, video games, and bars here, which, I mean, if you're a person that likes to go out for a beer, do some casino gambling, and smoke a little weed, you in heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't really do any of those things, so we're just like, okay. <laughs> so that's why we went to Bozeman, and people in Butte, actually, Graham did get his hair cut today, he's looking fashionable because, uh, we went to, or you went to Great Clips when you first got here because you had that job interview and that lady butchered your beard. I have, had jo- I have had Great Clips haircuts in, I think, three different states now and every single time they have been not very good. Yeah, so this is definitely not an advertisement for Great Clips. They are trash. <laughs> like, they are just garbage. Like, the people may be nice, but they just don't know how to cut hair, I feel like, properly. Or they just do it really fast. Like, it's in and out. Like, we talked to our barber today. He's like a younger guy. It's like... The barbershop we went to is like one of those old timey ones, but the guy cutting the hair, I thought it was going to be like the old man. It was like this dude is like 25, 27 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, part of it is that one of the reasons we went there is one of the coaches recommended the place there. And I think he gets his hair cut by by the probably the owner who opened it up in like 62 or something. Or maybe the son. And then we come up, show up with this guy who's been cutting hair for, I think he said, four years or so. Which, I mean, solid start your career. But definitely not somebody who's been cutting hair in Butte since time immemorial. Yeah, this is like the oldest um, barbershop in Montana, apparently. So, it's very small. It's like just about as big as, I bet our living room is bigger than this place. Or it's about the same size, two chairs, then you got the seats on the side, so like classic barbershop, and um, the guy's trying to, you know, get ready to take it over, buy it from the owner, and he wants to change things up, he wants it to be like a hangout spot, I was like, well, first thing you need to do is put a TV in here, because it's Saturday, and you need to be having football in here, and like sports, because, you know, barbershop, because I usually have sports on. Although, at my uncle's barbershop, sometimes they be watching, like, you know, the judge shows just because it's, like, daytime TV. But a lot of times they flip it, like, to sports. But, yeah. 
So Graham got his ears lowered today, and he, they he did a very good job because, oh my God, that that one person they were they, great clips. Sorry, great clips tries to get you in and out. He spent you, you were in there for about like an hour maybe, right? Uh, forty five minutes. Long. Forty probably closer to forty five minutes. Yeah. And the main reason I like this place. The haircut was way cheaper and it was way better. Like Great Clips was like forty something dollars. I was like, "What?" I was like, "I don't even spend that much on my hair." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and this was like twenty something. But I, I don't think anything will get any cheaper than twelve dollars that you've got your beard and a haircut at the the barber shop in uh, Anderson. And that guy, and this is one thing we we're talking about because the barber here was talking about he kind of wants to do the barbershop as community community thing, kind of like what your uncle has. Where it's just like a place you know that typically, in this instance, men come in and they just kind of hang out. It's a community spot and you get your hair cut. You're also there to chat with the other guys and talk about sports. As he said, get away from your wife or whatever. The guy in um, Anderson was a bit more to my speed because it was very much just like, I am going to walk in. And he is going to get my hair to be shorter than it was before. And I'm going to give him some money and then I'm going to walk out. So, you know, it's just a different style of hair care. But, yeah, you're, you're telling stories about how long your dad was sitting there. <laughs> I just remember your dad. And you just come back and everyone's talking about how great his hair was. I was like, Rod, you're bald. Yeah, You're still no. bald. I mean, there's a difference between black and white barbershops. Because black barbershops are like... It's a hangout spot. You like go there, chill, kick it. There's like a dude selling DVDs, people selling candy, shoe shine guy, and you just go there, kick it, and like the barber knows everything that's going on in the community. So, like I used to get my eyebrows done there, and we would have to get up like at six o'clock. Not not even six. We had to get up at like five thirty to be there at six. They don't open until eight, but that's like first person to show up at like six o'clock is a person that you, like you set up the line. Like, um, I think Uncle Lee Jr. opened it up at, like, 7.30. He'd start his, like, little line and, like, you know, get his people. But Uncle Lee didn't come in until, like, 8 or, like, 9. So we'd be sitting there for, like, three hours before you even get a haircut. And hopefully you're the first person because you'll be sitting there for at least another hour because he took, like, an hour on, like, people's hair. But, you know, he took his time, put the little towel on their face, and, the you know, he shaved the head and do all that stuff and... You make fun of Grimace. It was very shiny. He had a very shiny head. It was extremely shiny. It looked very shiny. nice and shiny. I used to suggest that he could just cut out some effort and just go stuff his head in a bowling ball thing. That's not proper enough. But yes, so I was like, this barbershop, he's going to have to either expand it or go somewhere else, which I don't know if people will like that. Um, you know, he closed down the oldest barbershop, but, um, yeah, cause that place is very tiny, but I mean, it's, it's a nice little comfy, cozy place. So I think you like getting your haircut. The guy was really nice talking to him, you know, chatting and stuff like that, but way better than great clips. Great clips was garbage. Yep. So after that, we went to, like I said, Bozeman. So I don't think we ever really went to Bozeman. We drove through it. We stopped in Billings, which is like three and a half hours. And we're like, well, we go to Helen all the time and there's a Costco. So we're like, all right, let's just make a day trip out of it. So we're going to like Costco and we're like, let's just see what is there. Like we never been there. And we start, we go to Costco and I did forget our lunch meat. So we're going to stop at the store to get some lunch meat tomorrow because we make our lunch every day. But that was like the one thing I forgot. I made a list for everything. And I think I... I forgot to put lunch meat on there because I was like, oh, I'll just remember. See, this is why I make a list on my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yep, Costco was Costco. It was a little bit busier than the Helena one because Helena is, like, like super low-key chill. It's not as many people as it is in Bozeman. So, I was like, we went there on, like, a Saturday. I was like, damn, there's, like, nobody here. And we went to Bozeman, and there was, like, it was like Indianapolis crowd, but it wasn't like too long of a wait to get in line. I think it's smaller too. I feel like the footprint is smaller. It could be, but if it is, it's not by a huge bunch. Huge bunch. I don't know. Like when we were leaving, 
like think of the Indianapolis Costco. There's a long way to get out. Like there's a lot like they have that tire center is like a long walk to get out. This was a way shorter walk, I feel like, to get out. I think their footprint is smaller because space is at a premium here because mountains. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it is a little bit smaller. So their Costco was all right. I think I like Helena's better. There is a difference, but their gas was cheaper. Helena's gas was the same price as everywhere. I like that's the whole point of going to Costco. You get cheap gas and pizza and a hot dog. Yes, yes. I did get my slice of pizza and Graham got his hot dog for one fifty because it will never change. Yes. But also, one thing, Costco, bring back the combination pizza. I really enjoyed that combination pizza. I want the combo pizza back. Bring it I back, please. Don't think it's gonna happen. I know. It's been gone since the panini. Panini ruined everything. Also yeah. killed a whole bunch of people. That too. But bring back the combo. You're bringing back the, the sample people. I'm not getting no samples now because everybody out here is sick. And Rona, trying to, and Rona up here with his great, 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 great granddaughter right now. Mm-hmm. And I ain't trying to get the Rona. We get, we got our vaccination. We we vaxed up. We up in here. Mm-hmm. Flu shots and the new Rona. We yep. up here. Upgraded cards. In this bit. <laughs> But yeah, so I'll let Graham talk about, but what we, uh, we went to, I don't know, Montana State University. We just yes. drove through there, but I don't know. Say what you thought. Uh, it was, I mean, it was nice. We kind of went through it fairly quickly and we were going through it while they were, it was what you said, parents weekend and some big game. So that kind of, um, no, it was parents weekend and I don't think it was just a, it was just a game. Oh, it was just a game. Okay. But yeah, so that, that kind of changed things made it hard to find a sot, uh, place to park. But I don't know. I liked it. Nice space. A uh, lot of... I, I knew we were nearby because, like, man, there's a whole lot of of uh, cheap-looking housing around here. I feel like those were probably, like, housing for people who have a kid. And Indiana State did that. They had housing for, like, parents' housing. Like, if you had a kid, so you can go to school still. Mm, right. It wasn't super near campus, though. It was off campus, so you had to have a car. I mean, you could walk, but it was a little bit of a distance. Yeah. Oh, but we did go to this. We were looking up places to go eat last night because I was like, we got to experience different stuff. I don't want to go to, like, chains and all that stuff, but we did go to this place called Whistle Pig. Mm-hmm. Whistle Pig Korean. Yes, this is a Korean. I thought it was, like, a Korean hot pot because I'm, I'm not crazy. They do have hot pots, right? I actually don't think those are a Korean thing. Oh, it's not a Korean thing? I'm not sure, but... Uh, let me see here. Yeah, it's Chinese. I thought it was Korean. I don't, I don't know. But I thought it was that. But this... It was a hot bowl. I mean, yeah, what we got was a... Uh, damn it. Um, a bippy... Bippam? It's, it it's, it's Korean. I can, I can... I got it. I got the website. We went to Bozeman, we went to Costco first, then we went to go to the Montana State University, and then now we're on talking about we went to the Whistle Pig, where the woman who owns it, she's Korean along with her husband, who she wants to move here, and she's like, only if I can know, like, the little animals are cute and friendly, and this is like a little, uh, that's a prairie dog, and they have little hats. And um, I, I figured it out. Marmot, uh, groundhogs are a subdivision of marmots. So actually, the whistle pigs that are more famous are out west. So that I mean out east. So that makes that makes more sense. Oh. And they're called whistle pigs because they make high pitched noises to alert other animals that there's you know like people coming on, killing you. Okay. Not not the humans, the groundhogs. Oh yes. So but we had like a Korean dish called a bibab, a bibam. At least I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. I had the pork. Graham had beef. the beef. And, oh, well, first we started off with the mandu, which is just a, like, a dumpling. And they were pretty good. And everything was really fresh. They made it. Um, but the bibam is a, it's got, it had mushrooms, uh, like, spinach in it. It was some weird rice. I'm not sure, because it wasn't just white rice. It was a different type of rice. It, it was, I mean, it's still right rice, but it was a different type of rice. It's not the jasmine or the stuff we normally get. A little crunchier. But yeah, they basically take this bowl that they just put on the, like, 
skillet, they put all the stuff in it, and it's like super, it's just like boiling. <laughs> and I didn't know that. I, I, I mean, I never tried it, and I was like, this is something new. And it, it was really good. It filled you up. It was a pretty big dish. It was like a fried egg on it. There was mushrooms. It had the pork in it. And it had this nice spicy sauce with it. You, know, you pour it on top. You just mix it all together. It had the rice. Um, I think some scallions or something like that. But the residual heat basically cooked the egg yolk. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, Well, that's kind of the design, too, is that the, the stone. They call it stone. It looked more ceramic. But they call, the bowl cooks it up. Yeah, it was really good, and we enjoyed it. I might have to, might have to go back there and try something else, but I probably stick. I probably try the beef next time because I, I think the beef was pretty good. The pork wasn't bad. Chicken might be good too. Switch it up. We also took Boeing with us. Yes, we took Boeing with us. Uh, do you want to tell this tale of the woman that we um, <laughs> that we were both about ready to attack? Oh, uh, there was this white woman, and we were about to cross the street going into the whistle pig, and she had locks too. Well, dreads. They didn't. Yeah, I I was going to make that point. They weren't. They were dreads because they were dreadful. They were pretty bad, and she was. She looked at me, and I was like, "Please don't say nothing," because we are not the same. Mine look good. <laughs> I had a lady compliment me. In the Costco. She's like, your hair is beautiful. I was like, thank you. That's the second time I complimented in a Costco with my hair out here. I've been complimented three times on my hair in different stores. Two two times at Costco, one time in the Walmart. And I usually have my headphones in it whenever I'm at a store. So I don't have to talk to people. But, I, but yeah. And I was just like, they look so bad. Like, they didn't look good at all. Oh, it looks <laughs> awful. It looks awful. I mean... I mean, people with straight hair, I guess, theoretically can have good-looking locks, but generally it just looks like you don't wash your hair and you're gross. That's specifically people with straight hair, such as myself, not people who have naturally curly tight. Yeah, it would work because your hair is curly and it would combine together. But, like, straight hair, it just, I mean, you can do it, but it's just turn it out. You have to make it, like, whatever. But it did not look good. And I thought she was going to, like, because she walked. She, they were standing at the, like, stop, like, the intersection to, like, walk. And she, like, turned around and, like, we made eye contact. Like, please don't say anything to me. Like I said, we are not the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mine look way better. Like, and I didn't, have, I didn't even have, like, a fresh re- retwist or nothing. But they look fresh. Because they fresh. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she didn't say anything. Um, thank God. <laughs> but after that, we basically came back home. Yeah, we came home, which gives us the opportunity to talk about. So I think last week's episode we talked, uh, we read we read Whitney's question about the Meg, and we watched it on Friday because I was like, "You have to watch it." I've seen it, Graham. <laughs> I don't think was impressed, but we'll 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 get into that because he has a three pages of notes. So. You saw it with Dad. Dad also didn't like it. And for some reason, you thought that I would like it. So just a real quick IMD sum- IMDb summary, which is longer than this movie deserves because it's dumb and bad. A research team encounters multiple threats while exploring the depths of the ocean, including a malevolent mining operation. Now that, that is a summary. I mean, that could be almost any movie. But it's bad. It's dumb. I'm angry. I'm angry that I had to see it. I'm angry at Whitney for asking about it. I'm angry at Jason Statham for agreeing to be this movie. I'm angry at Lily Lily Die who played beautiful tourist. What? I'm angry at Stuart Alexander who played tourist businessman. Okay. Okay. All right. That's enough. All right, I'm so- especially angry at Ben Wheatley, the director, for existing. And I'm angry. How did it take three writers to make this awful movie? Okay, can we get into like the actual stuff here so we can do stuff? So, Meg 2, The Trench, titled Shark 2 in Some Territories. Let's see, how much money did it make? Oh, the budget of this movie was $129 million to $139 million. Uh, the bud, The box office, $395 million. They're making a third one. Do you know what also makes a lot of money, Felicia? What? Drugs? I was going to say specifically meth. 
<laughs> but meth makes a lot of money. That doesn't mean meth is good. I mean, unless you're a Mexican cartel, in which case, I mean, as long as you're on the top of the cartel, it's good. Not one of the people actually making this stuff. And it's also good for the companies that basically exist entirely to sell. Um, well, I cannot remember the precursor to meth, uh, pseudoephedrine. I mean, you know, it's good for you, I guess. Also makes me, when I go into um, to places to ask for uh, medication for my my allergies and stuff like that, it makes me feel bad because I always just walk in there and ask for pseudoephedrine because it's the one medication they have there that actually works. Okay, so about this movie. <laughs> Can I talk about meth instead? No, we have to talk about Meg to the Trench. So... For also for reference, Graham has not seen the first one, but I don't think it's really gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Put I did back when I don't even own the television. Was still producing episodes. I did listen to their episode where they read the book. Meg is based on. Anyway, so I'll try and skim through the plot because uh, we'll just uh, make this simpler. So yeah, get your notes out. Five years after the events of the first film, Jonas Taylor has involved in a. Uh, has been involved in fighting environmental crimes while others, while also helping uh, Mana One in exploring uh, the further deep part of the Tr- Mariana Trench where the Megalodon he had been found following the death of, um, oh God, Shu Jin. Mm-hmm. Jonas uh, has been raising his rainy, raising his teenage daughter Mei Ying alongside her uncle Shu Yin's brother. Junji? Junji, yeah. Junji. Okay. Uh, who has acquired his father's company alongside wealthy financier Hilary Dorsal. Uh, Mana One has also been studying a female Meg called Haji, uh, who has discovered, who he discovered as a pup and trained by Jim, Junji? Wait, Ju, right. Yeah, the brother. Juming? Uh, what? Juming? Juming, sorry. Yeah. In a reserved in Ian? Hunan? Hunan? It, yeah, Hunan. There you go. Uh, this is a Chinese movie, so... Oh, yeah. So, anyways. Uh, okay, I'll give us... Okay, I'll, I'll... Haji has been acting erratically, leading to Jonas being a surgist by Juji's uh, enthusiasm. So, that's the first part of the movie. Um, the movie starts off, he's... Okay. Basically an eco-tear, like... He's to stop so stupid. He sneaks onto this ship with a very expensive camera to take like 12 not very good photos showing people dumping barrels overboard that are conveniently marked with huge waste symbols rather than how they would actually be transported, which is just just in regular barrels. I don't know why he couldn't do this literally anywhere else. Like, why couldn't he do it in port? If they're dumping... Chemicals overboard. I mean, maybe if they're operating out of a country with poor regulations or something, but like he's and he gets out of the ship. He's on the ship inside of a uh, the intermodal transports thing you see on the back of trucks. And instead of just opening the door, he blows a hole in the wall. Uh, and then his escape plan is so stupid. Oh my god. His escape plan is oh, yeah, to really hated this. is to almost get caught, then jump overboard, hope a seaplane can find him in the middle of the ocean, and then the seaplane flies up and scoops him up from the ocean. What would happen? And what they do is they drop a cute little flap on the front. I'm not even gonna call it a ramp. It's a flap. And what happens is it scoops him up into the belly and they fly away. It's like, okay, first off, if you do that, your airplane just go whoop, and then go straight down into the ocean, and then everyone would die, which would be good because then the movie was over. Even though they're 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 under no direct threat. Nobody's shooting at him, nobody's like they're they're threatening him with, with weapons, and they could have killed him aboard. They just needed to fly down and land next to him, and he could swim aboard. Like there was no reason to do that. And they wanted the cool fly thing. They could do that extraction. The CIA developed in Vietnam that I can't remember the name of. It shows up every so often. It was in that Batman movie where it's the, um, you basically put a big fork on the front of a C-130 and then the person you're extracting shoots up effectively a big balloon and then the C-130 hits it with the hook and then you pull them in. 
But no, they had to do this other dumb thing, which in in a brilliant display of people just spending too much time on IMDb, somebody points out that when he gets off of the ship, his shoes off the off the plane, it, it shows it's wet inside, but his boots are dry. I'm like, oh, oh, there's so many more things to be angry about in this movie. So just a continuity error. Oh, there's a whole ton of continuity errors. Listen. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of jump through this. Oh, 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 oh. Go ahead. Um. Okay, actually, you can keep going. Uh, oh, we. Oh, 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 Okay, go ahead. I'm about to get to when they go into the. So basically, this guy is super rich, and um, spoiler: alert, the evil villain, just like in the first one, is a white person. <laughs> Except this time, it's a white woman who's super rich and backing it. So basically. The first part is kind of setting up for the end part. Well, the middle part, I guess. So, um, Jonas um, is leading a routine submersible exploration to the trench. Uh, Mei Ying stowing away to see the trench for the first time, following Meg Survivor's DJ and uh, Mark. Mac. Or sorry, Mac observed the group. From Mana 1, on their way down, the, uh, the subs are pursued by Haji, who escaped captivity previous night. The subs dive down through the thermos, thermocline the to mysterious... escape the Haji forces her way through it anyway. To, much, to, to two much larger Megs, massive alpha male, and a slightly smaller beta male appeal to mate with Haji while working an escape plan. Jonas and his team discover an illegal mining operation in a station... Uh, captained by mercenary Montes, who ha- has a vendetta against Jonas for his imprisonment for some time. Montes' crew was hired by Dorsal. I'm, I'm like, Dorsal? I think that was her name. Um, covertly used the Mana One's access to the trench uh, to farm rare earth metals. Now, you said something about the rare earth metals. You're like, oh, just rare earth metals. When they were like, they're mining something. Oh, just rare earth metals. Like, what kind of rare earth metals? Rare earth metals are an actual category of metals. They're just metals. Oh, really? That, yeah. What they are is they're metals that are on the periodic table that are just rare on earth, hence the name rare earth metals. They tend to be very expensive because they're uncommon and they're using a lot of stuff like um, semiconductors and a lot of other stuff like that. One of the reasons that people advocate for space exploration is actually just because they're rare on earth doesn't make them rare in space. Like there's, there's, known asteroids out there worth billions if not tr- literally trillions of dollars in rare earth metals but it was just he just cracked open one of these things like oh these metals are clearly rare earth metals and I'm like, I'm like I guess maybe theoretic no it just oh. so yeah and they were in little and they were like I was, at first they were crystals and then they're like all of a sudden they aren't crystals anymore they're just chunks of metal and I was oh Okay, so let me let me sum here. Calm down. I'll let, no. let me summarize it. So, girl stows away. I remember I was telling your dad. I, I basically plotted out like word for word. Like, there's other people a part of this expedition, and I remember I told your dad that uh, um, he's gonna die. She's gonna stow away. I was like, yeah, because they have to make the you know plot lines go, and so they're going down, and they just like diverge from all their stuff they're going to do and he's like yeah let's go ahead and follow this Uh, and they're like wait what and then they find the like you know the underwater stuff and then the guy who has a vendetta who we don't find out by the way until like he makes something up he's like you don't even remember me at the end but he's there you know mining the earth metals and the guy's like i gotta blow this up to get away he's like we won't get in that way in time it takes at least 10 minutes he's like like you're not going to do and he blows him up so you know he can escape and that causes a landslide underneath the water and here's where i had some slight problems here <laughs> this is the underwater stuff because around this time i remember because you know the little submersible that the billionaires imploded in and these people are going around in a sub with like a giant glass window i'm like you can't have that because the pressure in the water We'll get to one part in this movie where it makes no type of sense. But they're going down. They go through this rock slide. And they have these suits that um, he made to, like, super powerful. But they're, like, super thin. And they're, like, in water with this glass 
like dome like so you know for the movie of course it's so you can see Jason Statham's face and you know they spent a lot of money on this and they didn't want to cover his face like a little hole but they're like oh it's gonna take like kilometers like three kilometers or something and they only have two hours in the suits of like oxygen so they have to do it slowly so they don't use up all their oxygen and of course there's like basically shit goes down and one guy gets eaten which I knew he was going to get eaten and like two other and like Two other people die. One girl's head imploded as she got in, and then another one got eaten because she freaked out and she died because all her oxygen was gone. So these suits, there's no way they would be crushed. The, these suits are basically a wetsuit, which would already be bad enough with an exterior um, strength augmentation type frame that you've that's becoming more and more popular in um, in certain types of science fiction that are they're kind of like the external braces you see for people who have leg problems. Um, well, I don't know to say it's problems, but anyways. And then you put, the, the, the idea is actually a solid one. You have an external frame, and then you put motors on it, and then when the person moves, it helps them move better. But it's just a wetsuit. It wouldn't do anything. They'd be flat. <laughs> They'd be compressed into little, little hamburger patties. Yeah, because they're like down and like they're in the Marianas Trench. Yeah, gah. this is like the deepest part. And when, you know, when those guys went missing and they were talking about, well, they're experiencing so much pressure on this little sub. And then, you know, of course, we found out when they imploded, they're like, oh, they didn't feel a thing. It happened so fast. But they're basically like, it's like the weight of the Eiffel Tower on you at that pressure. Because it's, I was like, they wouldn't survive this. And here's I was the like, thing. What kind of suits are these? I, I try not to be too much of a, um, oh, that wouldn't be realistic in movies. Ah! But what? <laughs> you were... I try I try not to be. I'm I'm willing to give movies some slack to to make the movie work. You know, um, like in, in war movies when people are looking over trenches and stuff, or in war movies when, when people are clean or when, you know, in survival movies when people aren't just an absolute disgusting pile of filth. Like, I get it. It's a movie, heightened reality, everything else. So I was willing to allow the 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 big window on the submarine because I was like, okay, it's a movie. You know, you, can't, you, you need some more space than you actually get in, like, Alvin, which is the um, submersible that was used to find the Titanic the first time around. Okay, I'm willing to allow that. But there were just so many windows, and it was so big in there. I think, and I think actually, and part of the reason I didn't like is I think it actually made for a weaker scene because if you had had more stuff crammed in, like when you look on the inside of really deep-sea submersibles, there, there's very little room. But there's just all this space. All, and like, but it... it oh, oh, no, no, suits. Oh. You know you know, let me get through this, and then we'll go ahead and. But take I'm your so in. angry. Let let me get let me get. And it's your fault. No, it's actually it's Whitney's fault. Whitney, it's your fault. I have like a few more paragraphs. Let me let me get through this. Mac, DJ, follow Meta One uh, analyst Jess over discovered the rescue pod has been sabotaged, forcing the crew to use exosuits, which we basically we talked about this. Um, walk towards the station in a critter-filled trench with only Jonas, Mayang, Jake, and Jeju, the brush. Keep going to discover Officer Riggs surviving the journey. Um, Jess and Dorsal reveal themselves to be traitors and escaped in an attempt to kill all four. But the four escape the station in another submersible after a scuffle with Montez. She escapes to the surface. Or who escapes to the surface through a buoy? Dorsal sends mercenaries to take over the mana one while Montez surfaces and meets with Jess. As the crew surfaces, they discover the rupture from the rapture from the earlier, which leads several of the creatures, including three megs, to swarm lizard-like creatures known as snappers, a giant octopus escaping through the trench, reaching the surface. Jonah's crew meets with DJ Mac and Montez, forcing the mercenaries on the crew and Jess to devour. Just devoured by the maid. Okay, she got killed way really fast. Uh, team escapes a nearby resort, Fun Island, to warn of the approaching creatures. Dorsal Montes and the 
Dorsal Montez and the mercenaries arrive at Funline to eliminate Jonah's crew, but they are instead attacked by snappers who kill who kill Dors Dorsal and several mercenaries. Jonas' group splits up into evacuated terrorists as the Megs and the Octopus begin their attack. Jonas manages to kill the beta male Meg using explosive tape used to harpoon before being attacked by Montez, leading both to sail to the beach. Uh, the two battle before Jonas knocks out Montez into the uh, mouth of the beta male to be consumed. Junji creatures... Uh, creates a bomb out of fertilizer along with Mac who takes Dorsal to unattended helicopter to fly towards the beach while mating uh, helps a tourist. Okay, let me finish this last part. The octopus takes down the helicopter and using in, uh, inquires or injures it with the bomb attacking, uh, attracting Haji who emerges into the battle. The octopus proceeds to kill the beast as Zujing uh, swings towards the wreckage to save Mac, Jonas picks up one of the helicopter's rotors and uses it to fatally impale the al alpha male through the head. Haji heads towards Jonas, Zujing, and Mac, but Zujing uses training signals to divert the attention to Haji, redirects her attention to a pod of dolphins swimming away. Making their way to the beach, Zujing uh, reasons with Haji escape captivity because she was mating season and discusses the possibility that she is pregnant. Jonas decides that this is better not to think about it. The group celebrates their survival. Okay. Ugh. So. Can I be angry again? Yes. So basically we did all the trench stuff. And basically all that, after all that shit, they, basically Jonas, there's this one part where the woman who, the traitor who sabotages the escape pods so they can't use them. And she's like, kill Jonas. And she doesn't kill, of course, one of the other survivors doesn't kill him. So she uses all the escape pods. And they're like, she's like, all right, I have control of this. I'm going to fill it up with water and kill you all anyway. And this part, I was like, there's no fucking way. He, okay. I know you probably have this written down. I'll let Graham explain it. All right. What, which of the many angry things am I going to talk about? Uh, the one where he blows it out of his sinuses. Oh god. You can't see me covering my face. Okay. So they claim that Jason Statham, I'm not even gonna call him by his character's name because it's just Jason Statham. That Jason Statham can at the bottom of the ocean where they're at, if he just blows all the air out of his sinuses, he can then swim over to the other thing and let them out. Basically he was gonna go into the escape pod, fill it up with water, and he is using his... breathing through his sinuses. No, because no, what they were saying is because fish don't wear iron suits, is that he could get rid of the compression on his body by emptying the air out of his sinuses. They didn't mention the air in his goddamn lungs... Also, apparently, when you get water in your sinuses, you shoot out a cool puff of blood, which, no, no, you don't. I've gotten plenty of water in my sinuses. I have water in my sinuses in the ocean. I have water sinuses in lakes, in pools. I've never had blood okay. come out. All right. Okay. So, but anyways, so he's supposed to do this, and then that's going to somehow, and then he's going to be able, he's going to have 60 seconds or whatever to get over there. So, and then he just swims. Oh yeah, he's it fine. shows that he's kind of almost blacking out. But first of all, he has no helmet, nothing. He's just out there. I'm like, he'd be dead. There's no way he'd be fucking dead. He's well, don't you, you forgot the moon pool? But I'm not even talk about the moon pool. But it, yeah, you just what? It's, it's just oh oh. But yeah, that's that's like one of my like. The stuff at the bottom of the ocean, I was like, there's no way they can do any of this. I don't care how much money these people have. There's no way they can just walk out in the Mariana Trench without getting crushed repeatedly. Oh, no not repeatedly, just way. once. Very quickly, just once. And it's, yeah, uh, it's like the, oh. <clears throat> so that, oh, that was one. through this. All right, I'm, I'm angry now, so I'm going to keep talking. All right, uh, one of the things... Oh, yeah. Thermoclines are not magical walls. They're acting like it's this huge deal to go through the thermocline. They even have, like, an explosion when they go through it. A thermocline is just where there is a major transition in the temperature in water. And this exists 
in any significant body of water. Lakes, it definitely, it's there in Lake Michigan. It's there in all the oceans. And people have been diving through thermoclines since at least World War II. So people have been shooting through thermoclines since at least for, you know, 80 years. And people have known about thermoclines. I'd looked this up since like 1780. I mean, back then, you know, they they found it doing some research with rope. But so this is not some sort of super secret, ultra powerful thing. It's so common. It showed up and what was that? The schlocky modern military writer from the 80s. Um, oh, for October and all that stuff. Anyways, he used thermoclines a lot because, I mean, they're key for submarines because the the temperature differential alters how sonar works. One thing that they did do correctly was they didn't have their useless diving suits on in the submarines. So, well, so well, they actually were submarines, so they're operating on their own. Because those, um, where was it? So it's, anyways, I'm not, I'm too angry to think straight. Okay. Uh, are we going to be able to finish this? Cause you have to like, so just, anyways, when you dive in those things, you do wear suits, but you wear suits like sweaters and hats and stuff because it gets really damn cold down there. And if you lose pressure, you're going to die so quickly. It's not going to matter. So, all right. Uh, also, they were talking about how she, the Meg, that we were supposed to... Like, they tried to personalize the three individual Megs, and I could not care. Um, is She is the apex predator. There is no single apex predator. Apex predator is a category of animal. I mean, they wanted to talk about how big... Also, if they've been down there for millions of years, how do they still have eyes? There's no light down there. There's no light down there. Just the way you said that. How do they still have eyes? They don't. Creatures that have evolved that depth do not have eyes. They have no way to see because there's nothing to see that deep in the water because there's no light that gets down there. I mean, at certain depths, there is some vision of bioluminescence that creatures use to lure in other creatures, but that's way shallower than that. I mean, I'm not. I, I, I wrote down that the map numbering system didn't make any sense. That's that's kind of boring. I just wrote the pressure suit is a bag. It is. It's a bag. It's a it's a bag like you get at the hamburger store. It's a bag to keep all the meat in. We're not gonna bypass that you said hamburger store. The oh, grocery store? No, no, no. I did uh, fast food place. So like a Wendy's or a McDonald's. I didn't want to say a brand the name. The burger place. Burger place would have been better. Um, I also have a question. Where is the Meg? Which is a good question because this movie goes on quite quite a while without a dangerous shark showing up. You have the cute beginning thing scene where the, uh, the Chinese engineer, I, I don't remember what his name was offhand because I don't care enough about this movie to remember anything. Uh, Zhu Ming played by Jing Wu. Um, and he oh, also, they're, they're goddamn, they got these stupid, uh, spear guns. They look like they're from duck hunt. They were so dumb. They were so dumb. Uh, the monsters that come up later, uh, just anyway, go, go ahead, go ahead. That's it. That's the end of the movie. I already read it. I'm oh, gonna go ahead and uh, finish. Off All right. Here. One of the weirdest things with this was what they did with subtitles. Now, I get. I mean, I get that this is this is being. There's a, a lot of Chinese money that came into this. Fine. So there's a lot of stuff in this where particularly. Uh, Shuja Sophia Kai, who's playing Mei Ying, the little girl, and then Jing Wu playing Zhuming Zhang, those two particularly are speaking to each other in Mandarin a fair amount. Makes sense. And during these times where you could use subtitles, like there's this very early in the movie, Zhuming gives a speech of some type in Mandarin. I didn't have any idea what was going on. I didn't, like, this was clearly some sort of exposition dump that would have been useful for me to understand. They didn't subtitle it. I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe this, maybe what we're watching just is not subtitles. But then later on in the movie, they have this one scene. The first thing I remember it is Zhu Ming and Mei Ying are caught in the tank. And then it subtitles Mei Ying being like, oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to die or something like that. And then Zhu Ming being like, oh, no, no, we'll be okay. Jason Statham will save us. 
I'm like, I don't need that to be subtitled. These two actors are more than capable of portraying that the little girl is terrified and her uncle is desperately trying to reassure her, but is knowingly putting all of his faith in another character. I don't need these subtitles. There's actually, there was a place that would have worked really well. And Felicia got grumpy about this, but I, I, I think it was right. There's a scene where the bad guys have taken over the uh, converted oil platform that is man at one that's the base and the bad guys have gathered up all the crew and everybody else and uh jason statham and the other people are all lurking around trying to get out on there and there's a scene where zooming uh stumbles backwards and they, he's put on a helmet and a suit to make it look like a, and, and he's speaking to them in mandarin and they're a generic mercenaries that it's okay to kill and so they're yelling at him in english and then, but they, they subtitle this whole thing. It's like, oh no, I'm just a normal person. And I know you don't speak Chinese. And I'm only doing this so that my friends can sneak up behind you. I'm like, if you're actually going to do it, this would be the perfect place. Just let him speak in Mandarin. And then have be like the last thing. All of a sudden, the first subtitle you move in the movie is, I'm just saying this so my friends can sneak up behind you. And then, bam, the Jason Statham comes up behind him and saves the day. But no, it's just, it's just... <sighs> Uh, okay. Oh, and then also, even as Felicia pointed out, the, the bad people are white people. Fine. I mean, bad, white people are bad people a great deal of time. But clearly, they were willing to go out and have the lead bad guy be a woman. But they couldn't stand to have the, act, the actual, like, movie-wise main villain be a white woman. So I throw in Montez, who's the guy who apparently uh, Jason Statham threw in jail. They throw him in there, and he's set up to be the guy who's going to run around with a machine gun and everything else. I'm like, why couldn't you just use it? There are also just too many damn characters in this movie. I get it. It's a slash. It's a slashery, monstery kind of movie. Like you need a bunch of people to die, and that's fine. I accept that. This is a B movie. But, like, there were characters that just did not need to, to exist. Like, uh, the Rigas character, who's this woman who's with the Jason Statham team, just is completely unnecessary. She does one scene where she threatens, or she's going to shoot Jason Statham, but she doesn't. But it's like, there's never, her character, they, what narrative energy they have, they waste on her and some other just unnecessary characters just needed to slim the relevant cast down to these other personalities, which I get to an extent is me complaining about a B movie, but it's also a B movie. They spent $160 million. on. That's a lot of money. I could have used $160 million. I would have done a lot of cool stuff with $160 million. I would have made a dumb CGI. Oh, look at the green screen again. Movie. I didn't mind the movie. I'm just letting you ramble on till we end the podcast. (laughs) I didn't think it was that bad. Like, there was some stuff, but I was like, it's a B movie. It's not supposed to be that great. The first one wasn't that great, and I was... This one, I actually liked it better than the first one. And there were some... There were definitely some scenes where there were some... Some actually, like, solid stuff. Like, the acting between Jason Statham and Shuya Sophia Kai was pretty, pretty solid between the two of them. Although, I mean, Statham's a solid actor, his emotional range isn't the greatest, which is, I mean, fine. So it wasn't there. But, like, the, there was some good stuff there. There was some good stuff between uh, Jason Statham and Jing Wu and then... Uh, so those three had some pretty solid stuff going on. They did a little bit of a, a sort of a buddy cop thing with Cliff Curtis, who played Mac, and Paige Kennedy, who played DJ. DJ was, I guess, in the first movie where he couldn't swim and all this bad stuff happened to him. And they had a cool thing where he had a designer backpack that he just had all this miscellaneous emergency stuff in because he had been screwed over in the first movie and he had kind of become more like a survivor character. And they had some cool stuff with him. But a lot of it was not very well executed. But, you know, stuff where it's like he's pulling out you know, he's all of a sudden he pulls out a, a 50A Desert Eagle and start, you know, and shooting away with it. Cool. 
But then they also have this dumb scene where he's taking cover with Regus, even though in the previous scene, how they ran was completely inverted. And this wasn't like a continuity problem you could scrub away. Like, it was a major continuity problem because Regus ditched him to die. And then all of a sudden, they're fine again. And she pulls out a whole bunch of condoms. Ha, ha, ha. And you're like, but it wasn't funny. It was so... I mean, if he'd pulled out almost anything else, it would have been fun. I don't know. If he'd pu- if she'd pulled out, like, uh, Kleenexes, it could have been funny. You're like, why do you, you know, there's monsters and explosions and shit, and, and he pull out Kleenexes. Why do you have Kleenexes? And, and and that's bad. I just came up with it in the middle of a rant about a dumb movie. These This had three writers working together on supposedly making a, a movie. You know, it could have been, why do you have tampons in your bag? Well, you know, I mean, you know, uh, I, I might be with a woman, she needs some tampons. You know, there's a whole bunch of possibilities there that could have been funny, and they just were like, ugh, condoms. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, and then Felicia's, uh, one of her great quotes that she was watching was, I'm coming to the green screen. I don't remember that what it was, because that could have happened several times. Do you remember what that was? No. Uh, and then, and the, I mean, a movie like this obviously is in the shadow of Jaws. If, from what I remember from the I don't even know television episode, like the, the writer just straight up said he basically wanted to write Jaws but bigger. But there was a lot of stuff in this that crossed over from being referential to just straight copying. And I know that's always a difficult line to walk about like, when is something a reference? When is something a copy? And that can be, you know, kind of, there's a bit of an eye of the beholder and other situation, everything else. Is in. There's a lot of stuff that's just like, like when the doc showed up when they're at the luxury island. I'm like, oh look, they're gonna have that thing that showed a million times where the shark shoots along and his dorsal fin just chops the boards to pieces. Oh wow! Well. And then oh wow, it happened. Oh, I'm so entranced. Uh, it was not a good movie. I'm mad I had to watch it. I'm mad you made me watch it. I wish Ron was around so I could go complain to him about his daughters being terrible. Also, there was a helicopter sequence where to prove, I guess, how evil she is, the evil white woman sends the helicopter pilot to go check what's going on with the monsters running around the woods. I'm like, the helicopter pilot. You know, this job that requires hundreds of hours to be good at. You're just going to send him out to go look for monsters? Also, they're sitting and they have no fuel in the helicopter when they're trying, like they land up, they don't know there's monsters. Okay, but they're showing up to murder a bunch of people, and no one's like, you know, maybe you should put some fuel in the goddamn helicopter. But no, no. And it made enough money that they're probably going to make a third one. According to uh, IMDb, Jason Statham was apparently mad that there wasn't a lot of uh, wasn't doesn't was disappointed by the lighter tone and lack of bloodshed in this film. Lack of bloodshed also allowed it to, even though it's a monster movie to what did it come in pg-13 yeah pg-13 almost probably could have pushed it down to pg if tried um oh then there's one that meg devours a t-rex which as soon as that showed up i was like oh look it's gonna eat and even though t-rexes aren't aquatic are you done now no i'm just almost like an hour and we gotta wrap this up all right, well, the, the, oh, anyways, I was just going to mention the continuity. There's just a whole bunch of like stuff like, you're like, oh, okay, this is a nice kind of movie. I know I've been yelling about this for a while, but <sighs> revealing mistakes. It, oh, this whole movie is just revealing mistakes. That's this whole movie. It's bad. All right. Is there a Grand IDK, Felicia? No. Okay, I, we're going to wrap it up here. I suffered a lot. We got a Graham stressed out, and uh, yeah, this is like about an hour long, and I was not expecting this. So yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Send us questions more. We'll, we'll read them here, and we'll review your horrible movies that you want us to watch. So send them on DYTPod, uh, Twitter, Instagram, PP underscore J247, Instagram, Twitter, Graham Mildrum on Instagram, Twitter. I'll catch you on next one. Bye. Bye.